You know, I, I told you before that I, I, I love Nehemiah. I, I love King David. I love Nehemiah. I have gone back, and, and uh, as, as I had gotten older in the ministry, I found that uh, if you're honest with yourself, you find that you are lacking in certain areas of your life, and whether it be administrative or whether it be in some type of a leadership position or whatever. And, and, and so I thought, you know what, I'm, I want to go back and instead of, and books are good, okay, but I just thought I'd do a character study on some of these guys in the Bible about leadership and see what kind of leaders they were and uh, not necessarily model your ministry after those men, but definitely take some characteristics of those men and and uh, use them. King David is, is so uh, personable. When, when you read about his life and then read the Psalms and uh, the Psalms that he wrote, and look, David was an emotional guy. And there were times where he was up high. There were times he was low. There were times he dealt with depression. There were times where he dealt with some severe weights in his life of, of his son trying to kill him, Saul trying to kill him. And I mean, he was all over the board in, in a lot of things and made some bad decisions along the way, but also made some good decisions. And, and we see that, that God used him greatly. Nehemiah, same way. You, you look at Nehemiah, and, and here in chapter 1, you, you find that Nehemiah was given a burden. I was talking to a gentleman uh, yesterday. He was talking about uh, his love for the West and... and uh, afraid maybe he'll lose that passion for the West. And if it's a burden, he'll never lose that. And if it's a God-given burden, then God is going to give that to you and, and really not give you rest until you are uh, used in that. Well, here we see that Nehemiah was a burdened man. He was a very focused man, and we'll see that today. And, uh, but also, uh, he, he was not afraid. He was a courageous man, and maybe he was afraid at times, and maybe I shouldn't say afraid or uh, fearful or unafraid, but he was courageous, and, and he was willing to do what needed to be done, and you know what? Sometimes there are going to be challenges in our lives, and, and we just need to continue to move forward, and just know you are never alone. You're never alone. You, you, will, you, you will have the Lord beside you. You are, you, are, you are handpicked by God for the ministry that you're in, whatever it may be, and God has you right where he wants you, and God is there with you all the time. And with that, we, we saw that wherever you go and wherever you are right now, we deal with those external problems, right? Well, we also deal with some internal problems. And internal, we'll, we'll see that I'm not talking about uh, so much the internal problems in our own heart, in our own mind. That's a battlefield in its own, okay? And, and those are battles, too, that you are going to have to deal with and, and uh, deal with them. But I'm talking about internal problems. And, and I look, I understand that the church wasn't in the Old Testament, but uh, the application is there for us, and you need to understand this, that... There are going to be some internal problems within your own congregation and uh, your own ministry, wherever you are. And, 
And, and you need to be prepared for that. And so prepare for these internal problems. And, and here we see in, in Roman numeral 1, if you're keeping an outline, we see that Nehemiah hears of the problem. Now, I'm not like an evangelist. I don't have time to mull and dwell on a message for about a year and a half before you develop it. Uh, and... and <laughs> Uh, and I'm not gifted enough to uh, have everything alliterated. You can alliterate this yourself, okay? That, that can be your job, all right? But Nehemiah hears of the problem in verse 1, And there was a great cry of the people and of their wives against their brethren, the Jews. First of all, we see it was internal. It was with them inside the walls. Here, here they are. They, they've been battling Sanballat and Tobiah and Ammonites and everybody else that's uh, coming in and angry with them. And, and, and they got all these issues going on. And you have all these issues in the world that you're dealing with. And now all of a sudden, here you have a bonfire show up in, in your own congregation. And what is it that you're going to do? And, and uh, how are you going to handle these things? And, and understand that that you might think it's little, but if you don't deal with those things, it will become a big problem. And here we see this was a serious problem. Verse 2, For there were that said, We are sons, and our daughters are many. Therefore we take up corn for them, that we may eat and live. And, and so many of these men were working in the city, and their families were there. They weren't able to take care of their own crops. And so they were here making the sacrifice to... Uh, rebuild the walls, and so food was being brought in uh, to them, but it was for a price. And we see that it became very stressful in verse 3. Some also there were that said, We have mortgaged our lands, vineyards, and houses that we might buy corn because of the dearth. There were also that said, We have borrowed money for the king's tribute, and that upon our lands and vineyards ye now... Uh, yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as the children, and lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants, and some of our daughters are brought into bondage already, neither is it in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and our vineyards. And, and so now, it was an in internal problem, it was a serious problem, we see that it was financially stressful to them, and and, and uh, may I tell you this also, that do not let finances disrupt your family. And don't let, it, don't let it destroy your marriage, and don't let it destroy your children. And, and the number one thing is don't fall in love with it, okay? You, you make a living and, and allow God to uh, help you with that. And you seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And He tells us that He will provide you a home. He will provide you food. He will provide you clothing. Do you believe that? Do you really truly believe that? Because there will be many that will get out there and you will go into a ministry somewhere and, and, and it will be a battle and it will be a burden. And, and if you are going to be a pastor, you better start teaching your people how they ought to be taking care of you. Because they will be willing to not pay you anything and take everything. Just human nature. And so you need to be willing to teach them and show them. And, 
And, and, but in all of that, you just keep trusting God and God will take care of the issues that come along. But here, here we see that there were some financial burdens that were going on among them and, and it was very stressful. And I, I'm, I'm telling, and I'm not trying to be rude here, but I'm telling you, sin is dirty. Okay. And when you get out, the two biggest problems that you are going to deal with are people are going to be having financial problems and sexual purity problems. Those will be your two biggest problems that you are going to deal with. And, and you need to be prepared for that now. And so make sure that you have the, the biblical mindset towards finances and make sure that you have the biblical mindset in the purity and and how you are going to help those that are out there and counsel them. Look, there are going to come problems that you have never dreamed of. Ladies, what are you going to do whenever you are helping with your teens? And, and, and I have found that, that this, is, this is a group all over America, but you find some girl that has turned 18 and she's still in high school and mom and dad are alcoholics and drug addicts and and no longer then do they see that they are uh, that, that they have to uh, take care and be responsible according to the state of their child and so they boot their child out of school or out of their house when she's still in high school and just throws her stuff outside and says be gone you're on your own and that girl comes to you and says I don't know what to do or she doesn't come to you and a month later she comes to you and she's now living with her third guy just trying to figure out how to get through school and, and how to live. How to just be alive. How to make it in times. I'm telling you that, that our, your professors will do everything they can to teach you about the Bible and teach you how to be a great preacher and how to be a good pastor and but there are just some things that the only thing that's going to teach you that is life experience. But you need to be prepared for those things and you need to be asking yourself what you are going to do in those situations and, and you need to understand that, that it's financially stressful. But you, you, here you see in verse, verse 5 that their families were being wrecked. What are you going to do when you have someone in your church family and somebody that's well used and somebody that, that is an integral part of your ministry and they're killed in an accident and what are you going to do for that family during that time? What do you, I already mentioned that earlier. My two deacons in one year, in six months, both of them lost a, a loved one that impacted them greatly. What are you going to do in those kinds of situations? What are you going to do when when you have someone that's been your friend for 20 some odd years and then all of a sudden through getting locked down as, as uh, our government did and, and uh, I don't mean to get you in trouble and flagged, okay brother, but um, that, that was a battle. That, that, was a, that was a devilish satanic battle trying to shut down our churches and trying to shut down the ministries and, and you watch some loved one that you have that... That, that has battled drugs much of their lives and had finally had victory over that and then all of a sudden gets shut down and no job and no ability to do anything and 
turns back into drugs and, and you have to go into their, into their motel room because they've left their wife and they've left their children and they've left everything that they had and, and you've got to walk in there and talk to someone who is so high on meth that he can't even see straight and, and try to reason with them and tell them you need to come back and you need to do the right thing and, and what are you going to do when you deal with a situation like that? Are you going to leave them on their own? Are you going to pray for them? Are you going to try to help them? Or I don't know, what are you going to do? But I'm telling you that you're going to get into this world and you're going to find out that yes, you've had some serious problems in your life, but you're going to get into a life and death situation with some of these people where their children are getting ready to make some terrible decisions or they are getting ready to make some terrible decisions and and it is life and death. And you know what? Those people need you. They need you to tell them the truth. You need to have that burden for your people and and you need to have that burden to do what God has called you to do and there will be those naysayers that come in and try to destroy you and, and there will be those that are going to try to uh, slander you and, and, and the devil's going to do everything he can to get you out of that but I'm telling you that God has called you to do something special in those people's lives. But you've got to stay focused in doing what you're doing. And so here we see Nehemiah's reaction. Verse 6, And I was very angry when I heard their cry in these words. Their burdens became his. Look, those burdens will become yours also. Now here's the thing. You being trained and you walking with God need to know better how to handle those burdens. You take those burdens and you can help lift them off of them, but you know what you turn around and do with them? You roll them over onto Jesus. You can't carry them. Oh, how many people I've seen go out of the ministry that haven't disqualified themselves. They've just worn themselves out. Trying to carry burdens that aren't theirs to carry. And oh, how careful we need to be. And, but here, hey, I'm right there with Nehemiah. There have been times when I've been angry at the devil. You see the things that he does to wreck lives and destroy families and destroy marriages. And I, I, I would hate to think of, of how many marriages that I've seen uh, burn up in, in the last 26 years there in, in Fort Morgan, just in that one area. And so we see that his initial reaction here in, in uh, verse 6, But then I consulted with myself, and I rebuked the nobles. First thing is he consulted with myself. He, he, you ever do that? Boy, I talk to myself a lot. And, and I catch myself, I, I don't really realize I'm doing that until my wife is asking me what I just said. I'm like, none of your business. This is a private conversation. <laughs> uh, and so then he thought about it. And, you know, sometimes, look, I, I've been in the ministry 35 years, and there, there have still been times when, I've sat there and, and told someone, I, I don't know what to tell you yet. I, I'm going to have to pray about this, and I'm going to have to think about it to give you right counsel. Uh, you would think that you would run into everything, and the next day you'll find something that you have never, ever considered. You're like, how in the world did you get into that one? 
And so it will happen. And so here he consulted with himself. And then he rebuked the nobles and the rulers and said unto them, you exact usury. So here they are. They're, they're lending on interest, every one of his brother. And I set a great assembly against them. <laughs> here he, he, he shows that there's some accountability. And he didn't go just consulting them by himself. These were leaders in that community. And so... He brings the community that they are sinning against and brings them in front and puts those nobles in front of the entire assembly. And so he confronts the problem. And I said unto them, We, after our ability, have redeemed our brethren the Jews, which were sold unto the heathen. And will ye even sell your brethren, or shall they be sold unto us? Then held they their peace and found nothing to answer. You know, I'm, I'm being pretty transparent with you guys today, but... I hate confrontation. I really do. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't enjoy it. I, I, I take, you know, if I have to, I deal with it. But you, you need to confront the problems in the church. You need to confront the problems in your marriage. You need to confront the problems with your children. You don't think that they're just going to go away. They're not going to go away. You need to confront those issues and and deal with them accordingly, and, and, and deal with them head on, right? And, and in all of that, protect the name and the glory of God. Verse 9, and I said, also I said, it is not good that you do, ought you not to walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the heathen, our enemies? Look, if we don't deal with this, then look at what it's, what kind of testimony is that going to leave with the world? What, what kind of testimony is it when, when we have a big fight in our church family and then people go out and spread all their trash on social media? You know the most disgusting part of that that I find? It, it, it's not the congregation doing that, but it's when preachers do that. I have absolutely, I, I, I just have absolutely no respect for a pastor who will get on and trash his church family. And so let us be careful with what we do and how we handle these things because the world is always watching and no matter what, we need to guard and honor God's name and his glory. And here, even in this, we see the humility of Nehemiah in verse 10. I likewise and my brethren and my servants might exact them money and corn. I pray you, let us leave off this usury. He includes himself in this. And so he, he doesn't expect them to just give these things. He said, fine, you can sell them the corn and the, and the food, but don't you be get charging usury and making money on them. And he even includes himself in that. And then he sought a resolution in verse 11. Restore, I pray you, to them, even this day, their lands, their vineyards, their olive yards, their houses, also the hundredth part of the money, and of the corn, of the wine, of the oil, that ye exact of them. And, and so he sought the resolution, and they were to give back the interest money that they had uh, done so. And, and we see in his leadership and in confronting the problem, then we see that they followed his exhortation, they obeyed. In verse 12, then said they, We will restore them and will require nothing of them, so will we do as thou sayest. Then I called the priest and took an oath of them that they should do according to his promise, and also I shook my lap and said, So God shake out every man from his house and 
from his labor that performeth not this promise, even thus be he shaken out and emptied. And all the congregation said, Amen, and praised the Lord. And the people did according to his promise. So here they followed him, and then he held them accountable. We need to do that too. We need to be accountable in our own lives. You know, I, I, I say this often and remind myself of this often. So many, so many preachers um, groan about the idea of living in a glass house, but really living in a, in a glass house is a good thing. It keeps you accountable. And yes, there are those that will picket everything. And, and, and with that, I'll, I'm going to stop right there in this passage. And, and you, you just quickly in chapter 6 will see that, that here he's holding those people accountable. And, and then you're going to find out that people aren't real happy about that. And you go into chapter 6 and you see that there were those who tried to assassinate him. In the first part of that chapter, in, in verses 1 through 4, they tried to assassinate him. That didn't work. And so then you'll find in verses 5 through 9 that they went after a, uh, a character assassination of him. And then they tried to infiltrate within and, and try to destroy him. But then in, in all of those areas and in all of that coming down upon them and, and he's standing true and you fighting these battles that you're going to be fighting. This is what he said in chapter 6, verse 16. And it came to pass that when all the enemies heard thereof and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. <laughs> I love that. That wouldn't have happened if Nehemiah hadn't stayed focused, living true to the burden that God had given him, and just walking humbly with God, and confronting the issues that came along the way, and, and in all of his roughness and his toughness and everything that, that about him, then we see here in the last part of chapter 5, his, Nehemiah's example of servant leadership. True servant leadership. First of all, it says, Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year even unto the 2 and 30th year of Artaxerxes the king, that is 12 years, I and my brethren have not eaten the bread of the governor. He did not take any food allowance that had been given to him. Verse 15, But the former governors that had been before me were chargeable unto the people, and had taken of them bread and wine, beside forty shekels of silver, Yea, even their servants bear rule over the people, so did not I, because of the fear of God. And so here, two reasons. He wasn't going to be a burden to his people. And secondly, he feared God and trusted Him. You know, I told you earlier, you need to teach your people that they need to pay their pastor. Absolutely. But you better make sure you earn it. And you need to make sure that you're not taking advantage of them and that you are a burden to them. You know what I find? That, that if they know that you truly love them, it's pretty easy for them to help take care of you. But if they don't know for sure that you love them, then there's lots of questions. And here we see that Nehemiah, he loved them and he wasn't going to be a burden for them. And secondly, he feared God and he trusted God. And how we need to do the same thing. 
And then he, didn't, he did not seek to increase his own wealth. Verse 16, Yea, also I continued in the work of this wall, neither bought we any land, and all my servants were gathered thither unto the work. I'll probably get myself in trouble with this one, but that's okay. I have broad shoulders. I can handle it. It's my philosophy. This is, this is, what, I, this is what I see. I've been called to be a pastor. I've been called to be in full-time ministry. I haven't been called to own 20 houses and be a landlord. I haven't been called to work at the post office full-time, which I did when I first went to, to Fort Morgan. I had to have a full-time job. And so I, I worked at the, at the job, but I wasn't called to be that work at that post office. And when we were able to, church made some sacrifices, I made some sacrifices. As soon as I could, I quit. And I went full-time doing what I know that God has called me to do. You know what I find? I find some guys that like to get out, and they like the security. They like the security of that secular job, you know what happens to that church? It just sits there. And it just plateaus and nothing ever happens with it. You know, the goal ought to be that if you are going to preach the gospel, live by the gospel. And so let us be working hard to do that. And, and don't get, you know, good things can become bad things. It's good to support your family. I understand that. But don't let it take away from the calling that is upon your life. And so here we see that, that he did not seek to increase his wealth in any way. Moreover, there were at my table 150 of the Jews and rulers beside those that came unto us from among the heathen that are about us. He took care of his own needs as well as taking care of those that were working for him. And you know what we see? We just see a generous heart. You know, there, there are times where in the ministry that whether you're on the mission field or whether you're in evangelism or whether you are uh, in a pastoral ministry. And, and ladies, you need to pay attention to this too, okay? Because that, that calling of your husband, it, it, much of that is going to ride upon you also, okay? And your support and your love and your help in that ministry. And, and you're going to find that most of the time that you're going to be working behind the scenes and you're not going to be getting a lot of credit for those things. And, and you're going to think that those things are a sacrifice, but they really aren't a sacrifice. And you think, well, little, you know, my, my hubby needs to be at home 12 hours a day to help take care of the kids. You know what? Bring your kids to church, okay? And help out there while you're there. Let your children be a part of that ministry. That isn't dad's ministry. That isn't, you know, husband John's ministry. That is our ministry. And we do this together and we serve God together. And, and, and here we are that, that, yes, there are going to be times where you will make some sacrifices on your time. There might be some times where, where that pastor ends up and telling you, honey, I know we have this $100 bill and, and, and we were going to do something special with this. But, you, you know, we have this single girl who just got kicked out of her house and she has absolutely nothing and is it okay, but... Really, can we use that hundred dollars to go buy her some groceries? And it's not something to get angry about, and, and it's not something that that you you gripe to your children about and say, Well, here we are, you know, we're just making another sacrifice. 
No, here it is, guys. This is a way that God is going to use us to help meet somebody else's need. And guess what? We're going to see God do something great in our lives through it. Oh, the the devil is so slick in making us bitter towards what God has called us to do. and, And there is no reason to be bitter. We are privileged to be a servant of God and to fulfill the burdens that He gives us. And He sought only God's blessings. Now that which was prepared for me daily was one ox, six choice sheep, and also fowls were prepared for me, and once in ten days store of all sorts of wine. Yet for all this required not I the bread of the governor, because the bondage was heavy upon this people." You know, sometimes you get a job because you don't want to be a burden on your people. But as soon as that church gets back stable, then you're back at it. Whatever. You just do whatever. You're not a burden. And then we see the last thing. He served God out of fear and wanted only His blessings. Think upon me, my God, for good to all that I have done for this people. I I hope and pray that if God will allow me to spend my entire ministry at Platte Valley Baptist Church, that would be fantastic. And I would hope that at the end of that, that they could say that, you know, one thing about Pastor Monday uh, that we can say is positive, not that he's opinionated and, and that, that he's bullheaded and narrow-minded in some ways, but, you know, all those characteristics will probably stand out too, but... I hope the one thing that they'll say is that, you know what? He loved God and he loved me. You know, wherever you'll find that it's a whole lot harder to leave when you're praying and asking God to give you a love for those people as he loves them. And you'll find that whatever the circumstances are and you will deal with some some people that need to be campused, all right? I had a gentleman come to me one time and said, Pastor, I feel led to tell you that the Holy Spirit is moving you. (laughs) And his wife was in the meeting too, and she said, what would you do, Pastor, if the Spirit was leading you? I said, I'd happily get out of here. But I said, I don't see either one of you being the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm telling you, people can get pretty ornery, Okay? And your burden, first of all, your calling was not given to you by people. Your calling was given to you by God. Your burden was given to you by God. You are are God's chosen vessel for that community. You know what you do? You just stay faithful. And you love the Lord and you love those knotheads. You know, and you wish that they would stay. Probably the majority will not when they get to that point. And that hurts. Uh, many times I watch my kids cry. I, I watch my kids cry all day because of a family that left our church. Now, I, I want you to know that that will make you mad. And it can lead you to a lot of bitterness if you allow it. But you don't. You just keep loving God, and you keep loving people, and so that at the end of the day, you can say, God, I hope that you remember me 
that I looked for their good to be what you wanted me to be.